Hello and welcome to the Badass Fertility Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Bregman. If you are struggling to conceive and tired of the business as usual approach, I am so glad you're here. On the Badass Fertility Podcast, we investigate and reveal how to live your fertility journey in a truly empowered and badass way. Believe it or not, you can gain confidence, clarity, and reduce your stress dramatically when you let go of the status quo and choose something more powerful, and that is believing in yourself. You are a badass mama in the making, and you're in the right place. So let's get started. Okay, so today is episode four out of five in our five-part series, Understanding Your Fertility Journey. So we've intentionally laid out this series in a format that is coherent and builds on itself. So if you're just now tuning in, pause this episode, head back to the first one in our series and start from there. You will be so glad you did. Okay, so our focus today is on relationships. And specifically, we're going to talk about what it feels like to be traveling this road with a partner and trying to navigate it in a way that makes you stronger rather than ruins your relationship. So the question we're asking today is, can a relationship survive infertility? So I'll start with a little story. When my husband and I got married, I really thought he basically knew everything. Okay. And I am not some gullible woman, as you may have picked up on from listening to this podcast, but I was so love struck in a major way that his shortcomings were kind of, I was blinded to them. Right. And, and that's a good thing. Maybe that's part of the recipe for falling in love. I don't know. But when we wound up on this fertility journey together, reality came crashing down in a major way, right? There's nothing like struggling to conceive, to bring reality into view and, you know, throw romantic idealism out the window. So many of my ladies have had similar relationship challenges. So I really want to address them today. And my hope is that you end this podcast with a feeling that you're not alone and that even though the terrain is rocky, you can navigate this experience with your partner and in many cases, it will make you stronger. Okay, one caveat here, excuse me. Stronger is not always the outcome for infertility. One of the very hard but beautiful truths is it can also reveal when a relationship simply isn't right. If you're partnered with the wrong person, this struggle may be a blessing that can help show you that hard truth. But don't go calling it quits just yet, okay? So before you're ready to walk out the door, which I know you may be tempted to do, let's break this down together and see where it leads. All right, so first things first. Uh, I want to put it out there that while every man and woman is unique, There are typical coping patterns that are specific to each gender. And I'll also put it out there that if you're in a same-sex couple, this distinction still applies to you because the chemistry of that male-female balance is what drives sexual attraction, no matter the assigned sex of the individual. 
So for our purposes here today, I'm going to refer to one person as the male and one as the female, but you get to decide which one applies to you and which one applies to your partner. Another caveat, it's also true that in heterosexual couples, sometimes the male has a more typically female way of coping and the female has a more typically masculine way of coping. So the differences may not be, you know, um, sex specific, but I am going to use those gendered labels, male, female, to illustrate a point. And you can decide for yourself who's who in the partnership. Okay. All right. So all right, here's the big secret. So lean in close. When women are upset, we want to be. When men are upset, they want to do. And this fact can lead, often does lead to the disconnect between men and women, and it happens on so many levels. So to begin with, when we get bad news, right, women uh, may just want to sit with it, cry, and be held by their partner. I know that's what I wanna do, right? Most of the time, I'm like, just hold me and let me cry and get it all out. On the other hand, your partner, right? Sensitive as he may be, could be inclined to not wanna linger in it, but rather get up and do something. He might wanna start Googling or cleaning or fixing something, but he might, he's likely, if he falls into that typically male pattern of coping, he wants to do something, right? Either fix the situation or fix something else if the situation itself can't be fixed. So the first thing to recognize is that what may appear to be insensitivity on your partner's end could actually just be a natural way of coping that's different from your own. So after my first failed egg retrieval, I mean, I was devastated, right? We had done all the things, spent thousands of dollars on medication, done all the shots, showed up to the every other day appointments, lived through the fear, lived through the pain, gone through the process of having the eggs removed only to find that none of the embryos that were fertilized had come back genetically normal. I was so devastated. I just wanted to sit on the couch right? I mean, I can picture myself just looking at the couch and thinking like, that is where I want to be. I wanted to be in the feelings. I wanted to sit with my husband, stir in the sadness, not wallow um, or get lost in it, but just honestly grieve, right? Because even though we're all about positive mindset here, and yes, that's a very important thing. We're not about skipping over the hard parts, right? You don't get to just skip over the hard stuff and expect it to go away. You either go through it or, you know, it brews inside you in some other way. So I wanted to grieve that loss, the loss of the dream, the hope that came at the start of that cycle. And I really wanted my husband next to me doing that with me. But my husband, oh no, <laughs> he did not want to sit on the couch. That was like, that would have been like torture for him. So he wanted to get up and do things. We have a native landscape yard, which my husband has lovingly cultivated over the last 15 years. We have no grass, right? Just lots of trees, bushes, flowers, and the ground covering is all mulch. So my husband decided 
that he absolutely right then and there needed to remulch the entire yard, which equaled buying several hundred dollars worth of mulch, like 80 or 90 bags of it, and then spreading it all over the yard, right? It was a huge task, a task that we would normally do together and break up over the course of a couple of months, right? So a couple weekends here and there. Now, the old me before infertility, before I started working on mindset, before I started recognizing the differences in the way men and women cope, and before I started making space for those differences, that old me would have been hurt, right? I would have been hurt that he, quote, didn't want to sit with me on the couch. I would have thought he was neglecting my feelings or even accused him of neglecting his own, right? Because his coping strategy looks so different from mine, I might have accused him of not coping, right? So the context I'm describing may or may not resonate for you, but my guess is that the dynamics sure do. My husband wanted to do and I wanted to be. He couldn't fix the situation, so he had to fix the yard, right, in order to feel better. And my old self would have said, why don't you fix me? Sit with me on the couch, right? Tend to my needs, not the yards. The yard didn't have a failed egg retrieval. The yard isn't feeling like a failure. The yard isn't terrified of never becoming a mom. She's motherfucking nature. She has all the babies she needs. (laughs) So that's the old me, right? But the new me... After having learned about these differences, and that's the point of this story, is not to say old me, new me, but rather to say old you, new you. Who's the new you on this journey? What are the ways that you get to learn about the differences between you and your husband and actually use this opportunity as a point of growth and coming together rather than a reason to drive you apart, right? Because The key here is that before struggling to conceive, it is likely you guys didn't have a struggle this intense. For most couples, a diagnosis of infertility, a miscarriage, a failed IVF cycle is the most stressful event in their partnership to date. Consequently, they're now dealing with several hard things. They've got the reality of the struggle itself, the struggle to have a baby, the question of whether or not it will ever happen for us. Then on top of that, you've got this uncharted territory of having to navigate it as a team. And then lastly, the stress that that challenge places on your connection and even in particular, the intimacy of your relationship, it really spreads into every area. Okay. So how do couples deal with infertility and come out more successful on the other end, right? The key is that successful couples learn how to navigate the struggle as a team. That doesn't mean that they desire to do everything the same way, but it means they intentionally choose to respect each other, each other's desires, and really learn about what each person's way of handling high-level emotion looks like. So think about what a team really is. It's a collection of people with different skills, each contributing their unique talents to the overall good or success of the team. So in other words, teams aren't composed of people with all the same strengths. They're composed of people who bring different strengths, literally play different positions, right? Have different responsibilities and tasks 
to perform so the team can function as a harmonious whole and ultimately win the game. So here are two critical questions to ask yourself. What roles do you and your partner play in the fertility journey? And do you have different talents? A lot of the ladies in my program come in and they're the researchers, the Googlers of the team. Sometimes, you know, and I know I did myself, we Google too much, but often, you know, they are driven to find answers or information that can lead decision-making. Um, maybe your partner is really good at preparing for doctor's appointments, or maybe he's terrible at it, right? But you want to start to figure out like what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses that we each bring to the table and divvy up the responsibilities accordingly. And then it's equally as important to really ask yourself, do we have different ways of coping with high level emotions? The number one rule here is don't take it personally if your husband doesn't handle emotion like you do and don't think you need to handle it like they do. We're wired differently and we grieve and we process differently. Being on a team means holding space for everyone's way of processing, even if it means we don't get exactly what we want, right? I wanted my hubby on the couch with me, but accepted that he needed to be outside and really made a conscious choice not to judge him or judge myself for what I wanted. And that equal harmony and really brought us closer in the end. So if what you're craving is to be together, be, right? The female, I want to be together. And, and your partner is needing to do things. Give them that space. Give them that leeway. Focus on giving yourself the love and the opportunity to be. And know that when you do that, I promise you, he will come back and he will give you exactly what you want. It just might not come in the exact moment that you are asking for it. So can infertility ruin a relationship? I get asked this a lot. I see it a lot. If you, you know, it's, it's a question on a lot of people's minds. And the answer to that very simply is yes, but also no. A strong relationship really can weather this storm. But just like a ship that runs into a storm at sea, any holes or weak spots can and will be exposed by the struggle to stay afloat and get through it. So infertility can't ruin your relationship in and of itself, but it can and it will reveal weaknesses that already exist in it. Okay, but that said, it's not necessarily like a gloom and doom thing to realize. In fact, it can be the opposite because you get to learn more about each other. You get to learn more about how you cope, what each of you brings to the table and how to navigate the tough stuff together. I mean, sure, that's not as exciting as being like, you get to go to Disney World or you get to go on a cruise, right? We'd all much rather go on the cruise, but Life's not always full of cruises, and we know that. I definitely don't need to tell a woman struggling with fertility that fact. So the key is to look at what you can get out of it and how it can help you build and grow into having something stronger when your baby arrives. So one other thing I wanted to touch on in today's episode, I think we've covered the communication and the difference between men and women and how we cope and process hard feelings. Um, 
again, keeping in mind that male and female is a term I'm using to describe the coping. You decide who is who in the, in the relationship. Okay. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is how the struggle to conceive affects intimacy. So when you first start trying to conceive, it's like super hot to whisper, like, let's make a baby, right? Like who hasn't whispered that and, and thought, oh my God, this is so exciting. We're going to make a baby. And it can be an instant turn on. It's like, yes, let's do this. Um, and then several months later, it's the last thing either of you wants to hear, right? It's like total turn off. Um, it's funny, I was doing some research and I came across an article published in uh, Reproductive Medicine, a journal called Reproductive Medicine in 2015. And this is just one study, but I thought it was interesting to throw in here that it said that timed intercourse, right, which we know, we all know if you're struggling to conceive, you're um, encouraged to understand your ovulation cycle, which is totally true. Got to know when you're ovulating and if you're ovulating and to time intercourse accordingly. But they were saying that that does place increased stress on couples, which we're going to talk about in a second. And it is actually linked to sexual dysfunction. So, oh my God, like, what are you even supposed to do with that information? Like, okay, I need to have time sex when I'm ovulating because that optimizes my chances for conception. But don't put too much pressure on timing sex because if you do, you could create a whole new problem, right? So you're probably wondering, like, what are you talking? How is this helpful, Catherine? But I will tell you how it's helpful. Stick with me. So as I said, it's important to know when you ovulate, but you don't need to go crazy on those days when you are. There is more research showing that having a healthy, consistent sex life, which is generally defined by intercourse two to three times a week, or at most when you know you're in that ovulation window every other day, is plenty for a couple, even a couple with low odds to conceive, right? And what may be even more important than frequency is the quality of your lovemaking. For real, I am not even kidding you. Orgasms help you get pregnant, okay? I know this may not sound so scientific, right? But think about it from a mind-body perspective. On a mental and emotional level, when you orgasm, it means you are more open, right? You're open to receiving. And on a physical level, the contraction of those muscles is literally helping the sperm get to where it wants to go. So the more you force sex, the more the quality of the sex tends to degenerate. And that can actually be counterproductive for conception, right? How many women out there who are just exhausted from trying to get pregnant have given up on even focusing on their orgasm, right? It's like, just get that sperm in. Let's go. I, I want to go to sleep, right? Um, and that's understandable if you are exhausting your sex life in those windows of ovulation. So really take that into consideration and think about that. How has this journey to conception impacted the intimacy between you and your partner. If it has taken a major toll, you are not alone. I'm talking about this because it comes up in almost every relationship I have ever seen among people who are struggling with this particular challenge, right? So the good news is a healthy, consistent sex life is not only going to feel better, 
than what you're doing right now, it's actually going to have a bigger, more positive impact on your chances for conception as well. Right? Okay. So there is so much that we can talk about regarding relationships and the struggle to conceive. And as I put together this episode, I thought, I really think I need to do a series just on this topic alone. So keep your eyes peeled. We're going to have a three-part series coming up on relationships and um, the fertility journey. But until then, I hope that this has at least has given you some good insights into the critical things to be aware of emotionally and intimacy-wise as you navigate that very rocky terrain of trying to conceive while simultaneously keeping your partnership intact. So five takeaways from today. One, know that you and your partner may cope differently. Two, provide space and respect for theirs and your different ways of coping. And remember, one is not better or worse. Okay, so there's no guilt here. There's no shame in how you want to process. They're all valid. They're just different. Three, provide in space, right? Give your partner the chance to be who he or she is will bring you closer in the end. So trust your relationship. Give each other the space you need. It will bring you closer together. Four, a healthy sex life helps conception. Five, if if your sex life is becoming strained, take a step back and reevaluate what you can do to spice it up. This is not to place pressure on you or be like, oh my God, now there's another thing you need to be worried about or, you know, concerned about. It's intended to provide relief, right? Bring the fun back, reconnect, enjoy each other. This will help you in your ultimate goal of becoming the very best parents that you can be. I'm so glad that you tuned in today to today's episode, and I can't wait to see you back here next week as we continue to break down the barriers between us and our babies learn how to remove the blocks between you and your mama self and really practice holding the conviction in your heart that you are meant to be a mom. Just by tuning in today, you are setting yourself apart and choosing to become the woman who defies the odds and becomes a mother no matter what the numbers or statistics have said. If you're looking for daily hits of inspiration, support, or education on how to live this journey, follow me on Instagram. We do regular posts um, daily. There's lots of good stuff there. The handle is at Badass Fertility. And if you love this episode and don't ever want to miss another, follow the Badass Fertility podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your shows. If you like what you've heard and you want to learn more about how to work with me in one of my programs, you can go to my Instagram at Badass Fertility or the website at badassfertility.com. <laughs>